0: Hey, uh, if you are new here, we're really stoked that you're here. Um, each week at Solis, we, uh, we do something that might seem really weird, but we grab this ancient book called the Bible, because we're convinced that in the Bible, that is where God, the creator of the universe, actually speaks to his people, to his creation. And so we're convinced that it's worthwhile listening to his voice. It's worthwhile opening this book. And what Christians are convinced of is that the Bible is just as relevant today as it was many, many years ago when it was written. And so we're doing a a short little series uh, to kick off this year called For We Are Young and Free. Uh, It's a three-week series, and we're looking at a book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is very old school. It's in the Old Testament, which is the first half of the Bible. It was written approximately 3,000 years ago, and it's written by a dude named... Does anyone know his name? Solomon. It's written by a dude named Solomon or at least from his perspective and it's a bunch of observations on our world. Observations on what it means to live in our world. Live life under the sun. Now, I don't know if you've ever read it before, but as you read through it, you read parts that it feels like it was written today. It feels like it's a news bulletin speaking about the world that we live in today. And so last week Uh, Week one was called Be Stoked While You're Young. There's week one, Be Stoked While You're Young. Uh, The challenge we got from the, the, the final two chapters of Ecclesiastes was be stoked while you're young. Enjoy it. Embrace it. But youth is temporary. You can't stay young forever under the sun. And so the challenge at the end of last week, if you were here... Or if you weren't here, you can read about it in chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes. The challenge was, so remember your creator in the days of your youth. That is, become a Christian now. People rarely become Christian when they're old. And so that's one of the really cool things about something like solis. You can come along to solis, no matter where you're at with Christian things, and you can think about it. And you haven't yet gone down long pathways and worldviews and lifestyle choices that feel irreversible. And so as a teenager, you can actually go, yeah, I actually think Jesus, I think God is worth paying attention to. Week one, be stoked while while you're young. Week three, that's next week, is called Made for Another World. I'm really looking forward to that one. But this week, the title, you may have noticed it on some of our literature, is Live Dog is greater than dead lion. That might be one of the most obscure talk titles you've ever heard in your life. But it's about death. And so what we're going to do, we're looking at Ecclesiastes 9, and this is a really serious message. I'm convinced that it's a message that every single young person on the northern beaches needs to hear. You right now are a young person on the northern beaches. Therefore, you need to hear this really serious stuff but really important stuff so let me pray again that god would give us hearts to hear what he has to say to us our gracious god we thank you again for the bible and that in it we hear your voice and we ask that now you would give us hearts and minds to hear what you'd have to say for us Uh, help us to take these words seriously Uh, help us to feel the weight of these words Uh, And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. And uh, the really obvious point, if you've ever read this chapter before, uh, if you've got a heading at the top of your page, um, the really obvious point in this chapter is that death is unavoidable. Whoa. First time a soul is, hey, you're going to die. But you know that, don't you? Death is unavoidable. Have a look at chapter 9, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, uh, verse number 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse number 1. So he says, So I have reflected on all this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands, but no man knows whether love or hate awaits him. Verse 2 All share a common destiny the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices. And those who do not, as it is with the good man, so with the sinner. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil thing in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of men forever are full of evil and there is madness in their hearts while they live. And afterward, they join the dead. Male or female, rich or poor mac or pc ford or holden league or union private school public school biba or birds of tokyo (laughs) whichever camp you land in whichever country you're from death is the common destiny of all people death is unavoidable i remember at the uh the end of 2005 um, two men dying within days of one another. One man, his name was Kerry Packer. The other man, his name was Rodney Curtis. They died just within days of each other. Kerry Packer, if you haven't heard of him before, he was the owner of Channel 9, kind of big, massive media business. The richest man in Australia. He died of kidney failure. And check this, he had a state-run memorial service at the Sydney Opera House. That's a- This guy's a big deal. You know, he's obviously got lots of money. Massive, massive memorial service. Rodney Curtis was my friend and my next-door neighbour. After Rowena and I got married, we lived in a block of units uh, in East Gosford up on the Central Coast, and he lived below us uh, in that block of units, and he was someone that became a really dear friend uh, over the couple of years that we were there. Uh, He was a a simple man, and he... For many years, he'd run a small local business up on the Central Coast, and he, uh, he died of cancer. And there was about uh, 20, maybe 30 of us at his funeral. Did you get the contrast? Two very different men, inhabiting very different worlds. There's something they've got in common. Both of them died. Death is unavoidable. Death is the common destiny of all people. Have a look at the next verse, verse 4. This is where we get the title for the talk. Let me read it out to you. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 4. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. Oh yeah, Dave, I get that. That sounds great. That sounds great. But what the heck is going on there? Now, what does it mean? Well, what you need to understand is that 3,000 years ago, dogs weren't... Man's best friend. They they were dirty mutts. They were mangy, grubby scavengers. Every time when the word dog is used in the Bible, it's negative. They weren't friends. They were grotty. Lions, on the other hand, well, what a contrast. They were the king. They are the king of the jungle, the king of the beasts. No. In all sorts of cultures, lions are associated with royalty, with strength, with bravery, with being fearsome. Who's seen the movie Life of Pi? A few people have seen that one. I saw it the other night, and if you don't know anything about it, there's a ship that sinks. There's a dude that survives with a bunch of zoo animals in a life raft. The dude, his name's Pi. He's on the life raft, and... By this stage, we don't realise that Richard Parker, the lion, is actually hiding in the end of the life raft. And then BANG! My goodness, we've got the 3D goggles on. And and I I was with Teague and Alex, and my goodness, I think I pooed myself. (laughs) I scared everyone in the theatre. I was freaking out in 3D. Yeah, you know, as that lion jumped out at me. Yes, it's on a TV screen. Sorry if you've dirtied your pants. Lions. Here's what occurred to me. I can still picture it jumping out. Lions are big. Lions are brave. And lions are fearsome. Dogs. Dogs are dirty mongrels. If you could be an animal, if I could be an animal, I'm choosing the lion. Hands down, if you've got the choice of being a fearsome lion or an ugly dog. But it's better to be a live dog than a dead lion you you might be grubby but the lion has no more glory now that the lion is dead a live dog is greater than it's much better than being a dead lion and it goes on verse 5 for the living know what when sorry for the living know that they will die but the dead know nothing what's the advantage of being alive even if you're a dog There's... It's knowing that we will one day die. Hey, that's really cool about being alive, is that one day we'll die? Really? Doesn't that seem a little bit morbid? Now, we, try to, we try to cope with death by ignoring its reality. In other parts of the world that are a lot less fortunate than such a wealthy place like where we live, people are actually every day confronted with death. And confronted with the pain and the stench of death. You know, in our wealthy part of the world, though, we're used to steering clear of it. We don't talk about death, we talk about passing away, going on. We kind of come up with different terms like that. And when we are touched by death, or when death is a topic that's in our world, well, often we try to cope with it by ignoring it or. Or hiding from it. Have you ever had that experience? I reckon you have. You know, when you observe a minute's silence for someone, it's typically someone well known, or maybe someone at your school, or someone's died, and maybe even before a football game, you observe a, a minute's silence. You kind of go, oh, this is awkward. It's quiet. You don't know what to think. You fidget. It's because we don't want to spend too much time actually thinking deeply about death. But Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 2, just a couple of chapters beforehand, says, It's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. Believe it or not, there's actually something healthy about being reminded of death. As terrible and sad as they are, it's good to be at a funeral. I used to regularly walk past a funeral home in Gosford where I lived. And I slowed down, not out of some morbid joy in death, but every day when I walked past this funeral home, and I'd see the hearse at the back, the hearse at the back, and I'd see them carrying coffins, and I could see the freezers, and that was helpful, it was actually a daily, constant reminder every day when I walk past there that death is real, that death, as much as we try to hide it, is part of our world too. You see, funerals are a sobering taste of reality and of our common destiny. Who's, uh, who's heard of the poet John Donne? few people, few English heads out there. He's a famous English poet from the 16th and 17th century. And in 1623, he caught the plague. It was kind of really popular at the time. And he got it. And he's contemplating his death. And he did it within earshot of the ringing bells of the church. And when did the bells toll? When did the bells ring? Every time another person died. Every time, every day, multiple times, funerals, funerals, mass funerals, over the amount of people dying and that's kind of when he penned some of the most famous poetic words ever written um, no man is an island have you ever heard that if you've seen about a boy it kicks off with some of uh, no man is an island but no man is an island and it goes on any man's death diminishes me because i'm involved in mankind and therefore never send to know for whom the bells toll the bell tolls it tolls for thee old school language what's it saying Every time he hears those bells, it's a reminder that he's got the same disease. Which is not the disease of the plague, the disease of being human. That that is his destiny as well. That next time they ring, it could be for him. So he knew that death was common to all people. I don't recommend this, but man, he kept a skull on his desk to remind him. I hope it wasn't a human one, but it might have. There's that many humans dying from the plague at the time. What do you do with all the bones? Here, have one for your desk. They're selling them at Ikea. <laughs> <laughs> but what, he constantly reminded that that is where he is heading to. If you haven't yet, sometime soon, all of us will receive a text message or a phone call about someone that we love that has died. One day the name on that text message will be yours. And eventually, people will stop mourning. People will actually forget you. Have a look at the second half of verse 5. They have no further reward, and even the memory of them is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. The the dead are dead and forgotten. The memory of them is forgotten. Serious activity. Hand up if you know your name. Hand up if you know your name. Keep your hand up if you know both of the names of your biological parents. Keep your hand up if you know all four of the names of your biological grandparents. we would lost some. Keep your hand up if you know all eight of the names of your biological great-grandparents. 16 of your great-great-grandparents? No, I was actually impressed that we had about four or five know all eight of the names of their great-grandparents. Do you know what the reality is? Just like your ancestors, you will die and you'll be forgotten by your own family, by the people in your family tree, by your own grandkids or at least your great-grandkids. This is really heavy stuff, isn't it? But it might be that right now you're kind of a little bit bored and you're not that worried, you're not that moved by it. Perhaps your attitude is, look, I'm young, I'm free. What would I worry about death now? Have a look at verse 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11. I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong. Nor does food come to the wise, or wealth to the brilliant, or favour to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. Just because you're swift, doesn't mean you win the race. Just because you're strong, doesn't mean you win the battle. Just because you're brilliant, doesn't mean you get the wealth. Life is unpredictable. It's not just old people that die. It's not just sick people that die. Have a look at verse 12. Moreover, no man knows when his hour will come. As fish are caught in a cruel net, or birds are taken in a snare, so men are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. No one knows when their hour will come. Brad was an old soccer teammate of mine. He was fit. He had no body fat. He had sweet abs. This guy was. This guy. Come on guys, you look over at other people's abs, don't you? Yeah, they do, they do. <laughs> this guy was healthy as. And he died of a heart attack at 23. Australian icon Steve Irwin caught deadly snakes, swam with sharks, wrestled crocodiles, and he was killed by a stingray. No one gets killed by a sting-that's just weird. You think of all the animals that were gonna kill him. It wasn't going to be a stingray, but no man knows when his time, when his hour will come. Death is unavoidable. Death is even unpredictable. I don't know when I will die. I might live for another 50 years. Well, this might be the last time you see me. I know I will die. And I know that you will. Because death is our common destiny. Does this mean that we just should give up? (laughs) You know, if we're going to all die one day, just give up on life now. Just quit. You know, you're going to die anyway. It doesn't matter. No. Not at all. We are to live every day as if it were our last. Just think for a moment. What things would you do today if you knew it was your last day? Do you know what Ecclesiastes says? Is what it says. Ecclesiastes says, "Live knowing every day is a gift from God. Live knowing that every day is a gift from God. Life is short. Make the most of it." Now, what's the catch cry of the Instagram generation? Hashtag YOLO. It's true, you know. It is. It's true, isn't it? We're on this earth. We only live once on this earth. So live life to the full. Live life knowing that every day you get is a precious and kind gift from God. You see, in verse 1 to 6 that we've just read out, we've just had some really heavy, heavy, heavy truths. I'm feeling those heavy truths. I know you're feeling those heavy truths. We're all going to die. Life is short. But then verse 7 says go it says go live differently verse 7 to 10 that paragraph there what we get a glimpse from Solomon is uh, Solomon suggests what it will look like to actually now live knowing that life is a gift from God live knowing that every day is a gift from God there's three C's that I want you to see in verse 7, 8 and 9 The first C of how to live every day is contentment. Have a look at verse 7. Go, eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart for it is now that God favours what you do. Be content. Enjoy food with gladness. Enjoy drink with joy. Each day God gives you is actually his favour and his kindness upon you. And so be content with whatever you've got. There's the first C, contentment. The second C is comfort. Have a look at verse 8. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. In the ancient world and in that particular type of context, white garments and anointing oil actually help to make life more comfortable in a hot climate. Uh, I've got got a friend who's currently in Dubai and he's wearing some of the local clothing in a photo I saw on Facebook this morning. What's he wearing? What do the men wear? Those big white flowing dress things. It's actually good for you in that climate to wear that garment. Verse 8, take comfort each day that you have. And the third C is companionship. Have a look at verse 9. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love. All the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. All your meaningless days for this is your lot in life and in your toilsome labour under the sun. We are created for relationship. Get married one day. It's a good thing. Marriage is a gift from God. Enjoy a precious gift like marriage that God gives. But while you wait for perhaps one day when you will get married... Actually enjoy the companionship, not in a marriage type of way, but enjoy the friendship and of relationships with the many different people that are currently in your life. Enjoy that companionship. And look forward to one day, perhaps, having the companionship, uh, men of a wife and uh, women of a husband. Receive them as a gift from God. Be grateful to Him. Do you notice the term in there, meaningless life? It said meaningless in verse 9 a couple of times. Do you remember what meaningless meant last week? Temporary. temporary. The idea, the word is in there uh, twenty-eight times uh, in the Book of Ecclesiastes. Meaningless means temporary. It means vapor, transient, mist. Here, but for a breath. Here, just for a moment. Enjoy those moments. Enjoy every single one of those breaths that God gives you. Live, knowing every day is a gift. From God. Contentment. Comfort. Companionship. And then it concludes in verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the grave where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. Whatever you do, do it with all your might. Live every day as if it's your last day. I don't know if you know the movie, Dead Poet Society. Carpe diem. Yeah? Seize the day. Seize the day. Live boldly. Live passionately. Live creatively. Live adventurously. But don't live that way without reference to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, I'll just read it out. It says this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, Do it all for the glory of God. Every day is a gift from God. And so live for God. Live for His glory. Live for Him. Remember, this is last week, remember? Remember our Creator. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth. Let me recap where we've been. Number one, death is unavoidable. But number two, so live knowing every day is a gift from God and finally point three live knowing that the lion isn't dead live knowing that the lion isn't dead what seems a bit random C.S. Lewis and his Narnia series the lion, the witch and the wardrobe and so forth the Jesus figure is depicted by who? The lion. What's his name? Aslan. I don't know if you're familiar with those stories, but they're incredible. And it's a really cool allegory that's actually taken from the Bible. Revelation chapter 5 verse 5 says that uh, this is the throne room of God. Revelation 5 verse 5. Then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Jesus is described as the Lion of Judah. And he, those that were on summer camp just a couple of weeks ago, the book of Revelation, he has triumphed. He has overcome. This is really good news. I don't come just bearing bad news tonight. I don't come just saying, you will die. I come saying that the Lion, Jesus, he has overcome. He has triumphed. Just like Aslan in The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, Jesus died, and Jesus rose again. You see, when Jesus dies on the cross 2,000 years ago, that bloody, horrific death, he's actually the sinless one dying in the place of sinners. He's the mighty, majestic lion dying in the place of dirty dogs. His resurrection, three days later from the grave, proves that YOLO is wrong. You only live once? No. Yalt. (laughs) You actually live twice. (laughs) Death. Sorry. (laughs) Death will come. But for those who trust in Christ, we will have life beyond the grave. Death is not the end. If death freaks you out, that's normal. But put your trust in Jesus. That final song we sung in there before, no guilt in life, no fear in death. Just as Jesus' tomb is empty, we have no reason to have fear in death because those who trust in him will also be raised to life. Talking to Katie just before. I, I trust that. Um, we've got amazing medicine. We've got already lots of evidence of grace in Katie's life, early diagnosis, all those types of things. You know what she said? I, I, I trust that we're going to be praying for her for the next three weeks and then praying for her recovery. I trust that that's what will happen. You know what she said? She said, even if it doesn't, I'll go to be in heaven. Wow. Who, who can actually confront their own life and frailty and brevity of life With such confidence, only the one who has their trust in Christ, only the one who knows that Jesus conquered the grave and those who trust him will likewise conquer the grave. Live this life. You are young. You are free. Knowing that every day is a gift from God, but also live it knowing that the lion, Jesus, isn't dead. Next week, as we finish this series, we're going to think a bit more about this. It'll be even more uplifting than this week's talk. We're going to think about what what that life to come will look like for those who trust in Jesus. What that forever young life will look like for those who trust in Jesus. So next week, there'll even be an opportunity to respond. It might be that you've been processing some of these things for a while or maybe since summer camp or you're new to all of this stuff. There will be an opportunity next week to put your trust in Jesus, to become a Christian. I'll ask you, I'll invite you to do that. But don't wait till next week. There may not be a next week. If you're ready tonight to claim the life that that Jesus offers beyond the grave, do it tonight. Now come and chat to me. Chat to your leader. There might be a whole bunch of things that you really want to talk about off the end of tonight, but one of them might be, look, I I want life beyond the grave. I want to put my trust in Jesus. I want hope, not just while I'm still alive but beyond the grave and for eternity. Let me pray. Our gracious God, we want to thank you so much for Jesus, the Lion of Judah. Thank you that though he was slain on our behalf, thank you that even though he didn't deserve to die, we thank you that at the cross he really did deal with our sin, he dealt with our death, and Father, we thank you that he conquered it And we thank you that by trusting in him, we have hope beyond the grave. And so, Father, we ask that you would help us to trust Jesus, to entrust our whole lives to him. Father, that we would live every day in this life, knowing that it could be our last, and that as we do that, we do it for your glory, for Jesus' honour. And, Father, we ask that tonight, as we discuss things further, that you would continue to be with us, Uh, that you'd help us to care and comfort one another and that you'd help us to point one another to the hope that we can have by trusting in Jesus. We thank you again for him and we pray these things in his name. Amen.